In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. By God's grace, um, we can spend just some time reflecting and contemplating our Most Holy Mother, the Mother of God, St. Mary, from uh, a perspective that I got from this book. You see on the screen, I have the cover of this book. If you find this book, I highly recommend you pick it up and uh, take a look at it. You're gonna find a lot of beautiful, uh, contemplative and reflective teachings on St. Mary. Like Abuna said, uh, we all love the Tazbaha. We all um, find that in the Tazbaha, we find so many sp spiritual meanings, very beautiful meanings and images and symbols for St. Mary. The thing that I find is so amazing about our church is that everything in our church has a source. Everything in our church has a source. And a lot of what we have on St. Mary is, yes, in the Bible, but also in other sources. Some of the sources are the church fathers. And one of the church fathers that we have in front of us here is St. Jacob of Serug. St. Jacob of Serug is a very important saint in the church fathers. And I just want to quickly tell you who he is before we start looking at what he's teaching us about St. Mary. So he is known as a teacher, a flute of the Holy Spirit, a harp of the faithful church. A beautiful a way to look at him as uh, someone that is like teaching us in a very poetic way, very um, elo eloquent in his speech. Uh, all of the Syrian church fathers, the Syriac, like Saint Ephraim, the Syrian, Saint Isaac, the Syrian, and Saint Jacob of Serug, they 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 read, they speak in a very beautiful way. They don't just teach us about Saint Mary. But the way they say it is so beautiful that it makes us want to look deeper into the, the, the depth and the mystery of the Mother of God. So St. Jacob of Saru is known as a teacher, flute of the Holy Spirit, and a harp of the faithful church. He was born in a village called Kurtam in Euphrates, and his parents were barren before his birth. It says in his biography that he was able to preach at the age of three. That sounds uh, very young, but I can imagine how like the education was in those days where they used to teach the kids so many verses in the Bible. And I'm sure at this age, his parents, because they were able to have a child for the first time, they uh, nurtured, they nourished him with the word of God. He was eventually consecrated a bishop at the age of 67 years old. He was ordained a lot later in life as a bishop, and he only spent three years as a bishop, um, and he departed in the year 833. Let's begin the, the different um, sayings from the church fathers to contemplate St. Mary, the mother of God. First, we want to say that St. Mary is the mother of God, the Theotokos. The Theotokos means mother of God. And because she's the mother of God, we have, through her son, 
all of the, the beauty that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ through her. She's the access point. She's the intercessor. She's the way in which we have an amazing thing to say about her. And we know that the Lord Jesus Christ chose her uh, to be his mother. And for that reason, we have so much that we can contemplate between the relationship between the Lord Jesus Christ and St. Mary. St. Ephraim the Syrian, he says, This Jesus has made so many symbols that I have fallen into the sea of them. So the Lord Jesus Christ, he came, he did so many beautiful things for us, he accomplished, he achieved salvation for us, he saved us, and then he gave us all his beautiful teachings, all of the miracles, all of these things, and he gave us his mother. So much that we have a wealth, we have, we're rich in the knowledge of God, and St. Mary is also a mystery in which we enter uh, the, the, the sea of symbolism. And that's what the church fathers do. The same way we go into the Lord Jesus Christ and we think and dream and envision so many mysteries that uh, belong to God, St. Mary is also very similar. So if we keep going, we're going to find this uh, quote from St. Uh, Jacob of Sarug. He says the following. He says, By her humility, by her purity, by her uprightness, and by her goodwill, she was pleasing and chosen for him. All right, let's look at these things. This is the criteria for the mother of God. It was by her what? Humility, by her purity, by her uprightness, and by her goodwill that God chose her, that she pleased God and God chose her. I know the theme for the Nahda in, in St. Mary's this year is the family. And I believe that St. Mary gives us a beautiful example of what it means to have a holy family life. You know, when we come to think about what the criteria is for choosing a partner in life, you know, a lot of us are thinking about marriage sometimes and we're finding ourselves thinking about who could be a suitable partner or a person in my life that will be my, my husband or my wife. And this is the criteria. Look, at if God, chose, if God chose Mary on this criteria, shouldn't it say something about what our criteria should be when we're looking for someone to be in our life? So the first thing is look at the humility in the person. Try to find humility. The person that's humble is someone actually that is very simple. You know, the word hummus, we all enjoy hummus, right? Hummus in the Siam, right, is like chickpeas, right? It's so nice and all of that. The word hummus actually is coming from the word humility. And you know, the word means from the earth, from the ground. So there's an expression, right? in our language that says this person is down to earth this person is simple so that's a criteria that we use in choosing someone that's the first one the second criteria that we would would see that god chose uh, saint mary for was her purity and that's another one what is purity like there's so many examples of what it means to be pure but saint mary again she is the greatest example of what it means to be pure. She was completely reserved, 
completely dedicated for her future with the Lord Jesus Christ. She kept herself. And that's something I find that is so important for us also to consider when we are thinking about families, right? When we think about our families, we say, I want to keep myself for my family. I want to reserve myself. I want all of my life to be dedicated to my family life, my wife or my husband or my children, right? And so we always look for commitment. We always look for the vow, right? The dedication, the consecration. The other thing that's a criteria for God in choosing the mother of God uh, to make her his mother is her uprightness. Look at how she dealt with everything in her life. She was upright. She was someone looking to heaven always. She was righteous. She was doing the good and the right all the time. One of the things I find that we forget sometimes is that we have our heads down a lot. A lot of times we think humility or simplicity means keep your head down or don't think about anything higher than you, which in reality is not the goal. If you look at all of, all of the creation, you find the human being is standing on his two feet, looking up to heaven, able to pray, able to lift up the hands, right? That was St. Mary. And then her goodwill. She had goodwill, meaning her will was the will of God. Remember, she said, let it be to me according to your word. She wanted to be in the will of God. And when we're in the will of God, when we find someone that has this mentality of what's God's will for me, what does God, uh, what is going to make God happy, then we have, an, an, we have people that align together in a beautiful way. Let's continue and, and reflect more on St. Mary and also tie it to the family. God the Father in his love and by the grace which is in his nature sent his son to us that in the end he might be a son also to us. This is a very special relationship we have with God. And think about it for a moment. God the Father sends us his only begotten son and he is the son of God. But look at what it says here. He will also be our son. How? How is God also our son? I think we always find some verses in the Bible that are hard to understand. Remember when the Lord Jesus Christ told his disciples, you will be, like, you will be my mother and my sister and my brother. He said that. How? How can I be the mother the brother and the sister of Jesus Christ, the mystery of the incarnation, the relationship we have with God is that he becomes God with us. So God who was so far away now is like with us. He's so close to us. He's, he is God. Yes, he's the son of God, but he shares with us everything except one thing, sin. So that's, an, that's a beautiful thing, a beautiful way of showing what the relationship is between God and man. And that's something I think is so important for us in our families as well. We can have great people or members of our family, 
But again, the humility, the person is approachable, the person is kind, the person is generous. No matter how high their rank is, no matter how amazing they are, they're still able to serve the other person. That's the beauty of the example of the Lord Jesus Christ and St. Mary that they, that they give us. They give us this example of how to be the Holy Family. Don't we call, don't we call the, the Lord Jesus Christ, his mother, and St. Joseph the Holy Family? Right? And a lot of our churches have a beautiful icon of Jesus and his mother and St. Joseph going into Egypt. And it's the flight into, the, into Egypt. It's like a holy family. Our, our family. We are part of the family of God. We are part of this relationship with God. A lot of times when we talk about marriage and we talk about relationships and families and things like that, the biggest thing we have to focus on is a Christ-centered relationship. Christ-centered. In the middle. God is in the middle of our relationships. If God is in the middle of my life, when, when I'm alone, when I'm single, right? And then my partner has the same thing. They have Christ as the center of their life. Then what attracts us to each other is Christ in us. And then the other things come second and third and fourth, right? But if we go for other things as the center and the heart and the purpose of the relationship, it only satisfies us for just a little bit of time. Eventually, it runs out and we find that Christ is not the priority for someone in the relationship. And so we get hurt because now our priorities are different and how this looks is very simple in life. Like you wake up Sunday morning, right now you're married, or you have kids, and the kids want to go to church, but mom and dad are lazy. Or dad wants to go to church, but mom wants to stay home, right? It's like you have to move as a family, right? If we're basically saying that God is the center, if God is the middle of our life, we want to do things together. Unity. The unity in the family is a mirror of the unity in Christ and the unity in the Holy Trinity. You know, what is the word devil? You know what it means? Separator, divider. So if God, God is unity, then the opposite of unity is division. And the title for the devil is divider. Can you imagine three kids playing a game? They're holding hands. And they're three kids, they're holding hands, and they're having a lot of fun. And they're just spinning in circles and running around the playground. They have to have one will, right? If they don't have one will, two aradas or three wills, right? The will can make someone say, I want to go north. Someone else says, I want to go south. The other one says, I want to go east. What happens to the unity? It breaks, but it kisses her. But nothing's wrong with having opinions, My preference is this, my preference is that. But what's the communication like? You know the biggest thing in families is what? Communication. Communication. If my communication is good, and what's communication actually in the spiritual life? It's prayer. It's prayer. If I can pray, 
that means I have a good connection and communication with God. And that prayer also reflects in my family life. Communication is also spiritual. في حاجة روحية في communication في الكلام just by being like together. And you know it's so practical. حاجة عملي أوي very practical. Like just having a meal together. How many times do we actually sit down and have a meal together without being distracted, without being on our phones, without something like that? So we have to think very much about that point. The next idea here is that we have here an image that's amazing between humanity and the angel, right? So look, it says maiden and watcher met each other and they conversed in argument on the matter until they abolished the conflict between the Lord and Adam. What does this mean? Adam and Eve were in the garden they broke the commandment and what happens now they're in a problem with each other and with who with god the next thing after communication in a family is something called conflict resolution conflict resolution do we solve problems or not you know sometimes we don't want to solve problems we go into trying to make peace with the idea, I don't want to be in peace. I don't want to solve the problem. Conflict resolution means we have to end the day with a, a resolution. Things have to be solved. We shouldn't, go, we shouldn't go a night overnight into the morning sleeping on a problem. It should be ironed out as quick as possible. That's what is going on here, that when our condition was tarnished, our human condition was tarnished, and we lost the status of being so close to God, it was like, what are we going to do to bring back the human condition? There has to be a plan, right? We made a mistake. We lost our rank. We lost our position with God. Now we have to find a way back. There has to be a solution. God didn't want us to fail. He wanted us to succeed, so he has a plan B. He has a plan B. So the great strife which occurred, the great problem that occurred, admits that the tree came up for discussion. Remember, there was two trees, trees tree of knowledge of good and evil, tree of evil. And it all came to an end. There was peace. An earthly being and a heavenly one spoke with love. The struggle between the two sides ceased, and they were at peace with each other. What does this mean? It means that heaven and earth made peace with each other again. They resolved the issue. If God can make such a plan for us and an example and shows us that he's willing to solve the problem, how come he went this far for us and then I have a problem this small between someone and we can't fix it? It says something about how we maybe don't see the depth and the love of God we don't see that how much he loved us, right? God loved us, so we have to love him and we have to love each other. If we continue and we reflect a little bit more about St. Mary, we see that St. Mary is like that building. Or I mean, humans were like this building that God built, right? God made a project. He had 
a plan to say, I want to show my love in a creation. So let me make a human being. And let me make them in my image and my likeness. It's like building a house. You build a house, right? God built the house. God puts families together, right? And we give the, we actually call the, the relationship the house, right? We say your household, betak, betak, right? The house is a foundation to the whole Christian life. God built this house. God built the church. God said, on, on the rock, I will build the house. Right? So the building which God built on his word, on the gospel, on the truth, was taken down by a serpent, by the devil. And then the plan B is what Gabriel, the archangel, built it up. And Mary rebuilt the foundation which, was, which Eve broke down in Eden. So look, you have a plan even after something is destroyed. Sometimes we have this attitude that things are not repairable, things are not fixable, as if like it's, we're doomed. And I think that's a very damaging, destructive way of thinking at times, especially when we again have this plan B. And it is very much a solution for us, but we just have to remember that this is what God did for us. He continues, St. Jacob of Surugan says, the former heard of becoming a goddess. That's Eve. Eve thought when she ate the fruit, she would become a goddess. But she did not say, how will this happen, right? St. Mary actually becomes the queen, right? She becomes the mother of God. So Eve didn't say, how could this be that I'm going to be a goddess? She just committed the sin. But St. Mary, in her humility, when she's going to earn it rightfully, become the mother of God, she even asked, how will this happen? The watcher, that is the angel, told this one that she would conceive the Son of God, but she did not accept it until she was well informed that she in her person would ascend to the divine rank and the virgin wife of Adam did not doubt the liar. Why is this so important? Because again, the mother of God shows us an example of humility, right? We have so many beautiful verses in the Bible that talk about humility, right? Uh, remember that example of the one who sits at the table and sits in the back, and then uh, they say, come, come forward, sit with us up here. Versus the person who sits in the front and then says, this is not your place, go to the back. This idea of humility, this idea of becoming elevated and dignified has something to do with our view of our life that's not about being too like, uh, feeling of like low self-esteem, but rather like just knowing that God is going to raise me up. God is going to lift me up. God is going to put me in a position that I should be in. But I shouldn't take for myself this position or this rank. Can you imagine if we all had a hu humility to us where we feel like everyone wants the other one to be first? I'm sure you see how abunas are, right? You see when abunas pray, 
They, they're tfaddal, tfaddal. Everyone's like, you go first, you go first. I wonder how many times in our homes with our families we're saying, you go first, you go first. Yani, you take care. We have to be like welcoming. We have to be generous. We have to be all about sharing. Sharing is caring. We have to want to put the other before us as much as we can. So St. Mary is always compared with Eve. And St. Mary is known as the second Eve. And she is the virgin mother of God. And this is amazing, right? Look at this. The, this is the icon of the wedding of Cana of Galilee. The first miracle the Lord Jesus Christ did was in the wedding of Cana of Galilee. It's amazing. Like, St. Mary cares about families. We're talking about families, right? And we're, the theme is the family life. The first thing that the mother of God wanted from her son was to make this wedding reception special. They ran out of wine. Can you make more wine for them? She interceded. She got involved in a very practical way, a simple way. And that's a special message to us in our family life, that we can imagine St. Mary being the mother of our house, the mother of our household, right? And she did this all without a marital union. She was never really married to Joseph. She didn't know that, but she knew that through her love to her son and her commitment to the church, right? Adam had generated the mother of life, which is Eve. He prefigured the birth of the one who indeed is the fountain of life, our Lord. So by that question, the wise one became the mouth of the church. She learned that the interpretation for all of the creation. St. Mary is the wisest, the most holy mother of God. She knew how to become the spokesperson of the church. She became the example of what to say and what not to say. She became for us the way in which we understand things in life. We have to think of St. Mary as like this bridge, as this conduit, as this tunnel, as this lens. How would, how would St. Mary handle something? How would she deal with the situation? It's a question we should always think of. You know, I remember when I was younger, they had those bracelets, WWJD, right? What would Jesus do? Sometimes, I think, what would St. Mary do? I'm sure, like, of course, Saint Jesus would do everything perfect, but also, St. Mary, what would she do? What would she do? And that's the question I want to get to at the very end. What would St. Mary do? I think for us as Christians, it's our job to love beautiful things. That might sound very different than what we heard before. We are the image and the likeness of God. And if we're the image and the likeness of God, that must mean that we have an attraction to beautiful things, right? So if my image and my likeness is the image and the likeness of God, that must mean what I'm attracted to is something godly. All the saints loved nature. They loved animals. They loved all those beautiful things, they felt very close to the nature because God created nature in a beautiful way. So, more than just like nature, the human person 
has God in them. So what, what unites us is God in us. God is in us. And that's why if she had not possessed in her self, inner beauty and outer beauty, Gabriel also would not have answered her with eloquence, which means our beauty, our, our value, our value is an interior value, right? Whatever is on the inside ends up reflecting outwardly, right? The Gospels uh, teach us out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can know what's in the heart of a person by their words. And we have to test words for a long time before we make the judgment that a person has a good heart. Why? Because it's easy to act for some time. Nice. But then, when something hard happens, when it's a difficult moment, now we can see a true color in someone. We could see the real identity, the real condition of a person because whatever is inside will come out in that moment. And that's St. Mary. St. Mary possessed great inner beauty. Great inner beauty so much that this was what pleased God and what should please us also. This was what makes us happy. True beauty. True beauty. Not just the beauty that we understand from the media of these images and these ideas. No. True beauty is inner and it is reflected outwardly. So Mary appeared to us as a sealed letter. Mary, the mother of God, is a sealed letter. If something in the mail came to you and it was opened, how would you feel? You'd feel like someone's playing in my mail. We had bilab fil mail. If it's open. So Mary, the mother of God, she came to us as a sealed letter. She's sealed in which were hidden the mysteries of the sun and his depth. I'll tell you what it's like. From the outside, you know that this letter is something important. Something good is in this letter. It can be like your paycheck, right? You know what's going to come in your paycheck, right? But you know because you're used to a certain salary, so you know what's inside, right? So you don't even have to open it to enjoy it, to appreciate it. But if someone opens it, you say, that's not for anyone else to know. Who's opening, who's playing with my mail? It's only for me. It's special to me, right? She gave her body, and this is also so important for us in our family life. She gave her body as like a clean sheet. You know, uh, one of the things in, in, in family life is that we don't make the bed, right? We wake up and then we just leave the sheets all over and the pillow on the ground and all that, right? Think of this idea, the image of a sheet. She gave her body as a clean sheet, a pure white sheet. The words which were written on this sheet were corporeal. The Son of God is known as the Word of God. And she is the letter. She is the, the letter, the inscription. As we said, by which forgiveness was sent forth to the whole world. Can you imagine? The sheet is her body, is her life. And the words written on her life is the word of God. That is the idea of what it means to be 
in God in such a unique, special way that gives us an example of the exclusiveness of our relationship within the family. It is something so, so special to us. It continues and it says, she was the letter, not because she was sealed after she was inscribed, but the divinity sealed her and then wrote on her. They sealed her and inscribed her. She was also read, although not being opened, because the Father revealed in her mysteries more sublime than usual. This is for us now. What does this mean? What we're saying is this. St. Mary is this letter that's sealed. And God in his, divinity, in his power, he wrote his message in her. And we know the message without opening her. That's great beauty and mystery and an amazing thing to know about what God can do with us. Someone can know you deeply without having to go and do anything inappropriate or do anything that would be just not timely. Think of it that way, right? A lot of times we want to say, well, how can I know I could be with someone without any experience? So you, you cross a boundary, you break a boundary, and then you find, no, I can't do that. That wasn't the right thing to do. But even if, God can restore, for sure. My point is, and the point of the saint is, that in this way we understand that there is a way to be understood without being fully revealed. And because of her, the way to Eden, which has been broken or blocked, was opened. The serpent fled and men passing along to God. Because of her, the cherub had removed his lands that he might no longer guard the tree of life which offered itself to those who ate it. She gave us a sweet fruit full of life that we might eat from it and live forever with God. She makes the way open to us again. She gives us access to God again. Remember, they were kicked out of the garden and the cherubim was put there with like a big sword to guard the, the, the garden of Eden. St. Mary is the one who opens it up for us again and we have access to the tree of life, eternal life. Not just knowledge, but the sweet fruit full of life that we could be with God. That's another example of what family life should be. It should be that my family leads me to heaven. My partner leads me to heaven, right? When we say that you're going to be partners in life or travelers and um, pilgrims in this life. You're going to have this support with your family to, to take you to heaven. We say in the liturgy, lead us throughout the way into your kingdom. Show us the way. Take us to heaven. Right? That's the goal. The goal is for the family to move in the direction towards the kingdom, not just to have earthly goals. I know, I know a lot of us have these ideas about earthly goals. The goal would be to buy this house, to have this car, to have this many kids, and that's it. No, the goal is more than building a house here on earth. The goal is to build a home for us in heaven, right? This is the goal. How can I lead? How can we go in this direction together? We have to find a way. Look at this picture, beautiful picture of Moses opening the way in the middle of the water, 
Look at blessed is she who gave drops of milk from her members to the one who commands the great sea to, to, to gush forth. That is amazing to think of just a minute, just for a minute. Look at what St. Mary can do. She's so simple, so pure, so holy, so special to God. She pleases God so much. She feeds him with her own milk, right? And it's like little droplets of milk, right? But then this is the one who can take all of this water and divide it. It's like sometimes in our relationships we say, do I even need this person? Like, I'm better than this person. Do I even need them? Do you think God needs us to be priests? Can't he just do it? Do you think he needs me? Do you think he needs us? No, but he lets us. He wants us to do something. He could have done, any, he could have done everything on his own. But what's amazing about it is that he wants us to share and do something special that shows us his power. His power is that he allows for us to do something that is godly, that comes from him, that satisfies us, that makes us feel very content in life. It's very special when you give someone a chance to do something, especially when they feel unworthy, right? Who am I? Who am I to be this or that? But that doesn't mean I have low self-esteem. It means that I know my value and I know my position is humble, but God raises me up. God, God lifts me up. God puts me in the place I should be in. And that's why he uses the simple to make sh shames the wise with the simple. We don't need the most extravagant thing. We need simplicity. We need humility. We need these characteristics, these traits in our families. Blessed is she who placed her pure mouth on the lips of that one from whose fire the seraphim of fire hide themselves. Remember the live coal in the Old Testament and how it was touched on the mouth and it didn't burn them? You know, St. Mary was like that. She had her God and her son in her hand and she kissed him. Remember Thomas? He touched the side and he said, Yes, he, he said this is God, right? We take communion. We touch the body of God with our lips. This is such a special relationship. This is so, 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 so special. It's such a holy moment to contact God like this. That's our spiritual life. And that's our family life. Our bodies, our lips, our thoughts, our feelings, our, all of this is for God. And then because we have a good example, we know how to do that within our family life. This is where I would like to end the contemplation. What would St. Mary say? What would she say? She would say this, The Son of the Most High came and dwelt in me. And I became his mother. As I gave birth to him, his second birth, so too he gave birth to me a second time. He put on his mother's robe, his body 
and I put on his glory. Wow. Wow. Such a beautiful, beautiful way to think about my relationship with God. And look at the beautiful relationship between mother and son, and church and father, mother and father, and families, our families. Look at the exchange. She gave him the flesh. He gave her the glory. It's such a special, special thing for us to see how much this relationship can mean for us to just give a little and for God to give us so much. We feel so loved. We feel so special. We feel so overwhelmed with this message that St. Mary felt. Right? You think about how she was when she saw him on the cross. She said, my son and my God, my son and my God. I feel like if we think about it like this, we understand that even though she is a biological mother, this is still very respectful relationship. My son and my God, right? There's still a lot of respect between this relationship. Just because we're very close doesn't mean we lose the glory. The glory is still there, but it doesn't come like in a way that's forceful. The respect, you want to feel respected? Right? How can you feel respected? Just show love. If you show love, then you earn the respect, which is love. But he never said to her, you have to call me, you have to call me God. No, she called him my son. And then she also would always say, my God. Right? A lot of us feel like maybe we feel are disrespected or our families don't treat us well or something like that. This is a beautiful example for us to see how this relationship looks between the Lord Jesus Christ and his mother, St. Mary. May God give us so much of these traits and these characteristics that we find uh, in our beautiful church. And may God help us grow and be more and more united with him, united with our families, and able to go the distance. It's not, it's not a quick thing. It's like work. And if it's work, we have to be patient. We have to struggle because the, the struggle is where all of the purity happens. All of the hard work results in a fruit at the end. May God give the fruit to us 30, 60, and 100 fold in our families. Bless us, be with us, and start the fast in a way that is spiritual. And we should ask St. Mary, the mother of God, ask your son for us. Help, help us be like you. Help, help us be the holy family. How, how, how did you do it? So show me the mystery. Show me the way. May she be for us always the example and the way to God and for God to always give us the blessing of having her also as our mother. And glory be to God forever. Amen.